May 19th, 2023. We're in Masechet Besa on Daf Yod Het Amud Bet, if you count from the bottom of the Amud up. It's 14 lines up, the last word on the line, Vishavin. Uh, before we begin, though, let's just briefly return to the last conversation we had yesterday, and that was the Tosafot. Tosafot was talking about the Pesach Halacha, the final determination with regards to the issue of a person immersing themselves. But specifically, Tosafot was talking about on Chabe'av, or on Kippur, because the Gemara cited a Beraita, which we knew from Masechet Ta'anit and Aflamid, that any person who needs to immerse themselves, and we speak and spoke specifically about a woman who's in Nida, can and should do so on Chabe'av and on Kippur, even though in those circumstances, on those days, this prohibition from washing yourself, Tevila is permitted. Tosafot, if you recall, mentioned the opinion both of Rabbeinu Tam and of Ri. Rabbeinu Tam distinguished for one reason or another between Chabe'av and Kippur. Specifically, he cited a proof that on Kippur it is permitted, even Bizman Hazeh, even today's day and age. But on Chabe'av, it's the day on which there was a Horban of Bet Mikdashenu. Tosafot cites this from Talmud Yerushalmi. It's inappropriate. Ri, however, more specifically, at the end of Tosafot, I mentioned that when it comes to both Chabe'av and Kippur, Bizman Hazen, today's day and age, neither one of them would it be permitted on uh, for a woman to immerse herself. Why not? Well, two reasons were really mentioned by Ri. Number one, the whole sugya, the whole concept of a woman going to the mikveh is predicated upon the fact that it's a tevila bizmana, that it's, being t- it's taking place in its appropriate time. And with Posek Halachat Tevila Bizmana Mitzvah, and maybe if it's done in the appropriate time, there's a particular and specific mitzvah, said Tosafot, said Ri, said Rabbeinu Tam even. In today's day and age, where women now, Benot Yisrael, the Gemara tells them, added on, so to speak, an extra seven days uh, to their counting until they become pure, it's no longer Tevila Bizmana, which means to say, rabbinically speaking, well, this is when they should be going. Biblically speaking, they probably should be going earlier. It's no longer Tevila Bizmana. It's not in the appropriate time. You don't have the strength. You don't have the uwe of the Tevila Bizmana mitzvah in order to permit them going on Chabe'av or on Kippur. Secondly, said Tosafot from Ri, both on Kippur and on Chabe'av, the purpose would be lost. Once upon a time, the purpose of Tevila was twofold. Number one, the woman now could touch things that were tahor and not contaminate them. And number two, she's permitted for relations with her husband. Bizban Hazeh, there's no first reason. We no longer are dealing with matters that need to stay tahor. And in terms of permissibility to her husband, that's only going to be a reality after Chabeav, after Kippur. Said Ri, in short, as a result, both on Chabeav and on Kippur, there's, a per- there's no permissibility, there's a restriction, Bizman Hazeh, about going to the mikveh. And that's really the sugya, as we saw it in its concluding lines, with regards to halakha. Um, Shohan Aruch, first and foremost, with regards to Shabbat. That was really how the whole sugya began. Shabbat and Yom Tov is posek la siman shin chavav of orachayim adam mutar litbol mitumato Shabbat. No surprise over there. When it comes to Shabbat, that was our sugya. The Gemara told us, the Mishnah told us, that according to Beit Hillel, you're allowed to go and do tevilah on Shabbat. Is there any catch over here for Sfaradim? For Sfaradim, no catch. The Gemara told us, remember, that even during the winter, when there is no nir'ah kemekar, it should be permitted because a person will be dirty and they would jump into it. 
But on that point, uh, importantly, uh, Jared says, well, if the whole purpose, as our sugya seems to make clear to us, is the reason it's permitted, and we're not nervous that it looks wrong, it looks as if you're going to fix yourself, so to speak, is because a person would and could just jump into that cold water at any time during the year, well, there's where there's a little bit of a line drawn for Ashkenazim. All the way back several hundred years, Terumat Tadeshin, uh, cautioned the women of his uh, environs uh, about uh, going in specific circumstances. It goes like this, although Shohanaruch, although the Gemara says it's permitted, but he says, our people don't go into cold bathing areas, into cold water areas on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Why not? A long-standing Ashkenazi custom not to do so because there were fears of on Shabbat and on Yom Tov squeezing hair, squeezing towels as a result of going in. There were fears of on Shabbat you come out and there's water all over your body and you'll be carrying it and you'll be walking over grass and maybe watering it as well. As a result, there was and is a long-standing Ashkenazi practice not to go into even cold bath areas, even into rivers, even into lakes on Shabbat or Yom Tov, irrespective of any of these sorts of issues, that's the restriction. Therefore, Ramah, many others set forth that specifically and only if the woman's night to go, in other words, her count finished, on Friday night, that's when she can go on Friday night. If it's going to be a tevila shilobizmana, in other words, she could have gone earlier in the week. For one reason or another, she didn't. Sephardic women can still go. Ashkenazic women, many of their poskim say, they should not go. It happens to be that seems to have been the practice for quite some time. In some of the later, more contemporary books, they write that even Bizman Hazeh, even though the women and men shouldn't and wouldn't be going into the cold areas on Shabbat of water, they can still, even if they were able to, even Ashkenazic women, they don't, uh, as many uh, poskim, uh, restrict them. For Sfaradi women, however, there's no issue, irrespective if she could have gone five days ago or if this is her night, she can go on Shabbat. Question? Does this apply? So it will only extend to the extent that it's cold water. Right? Oh, yeah, uh, cold water in this respect shouldn't per se pose a problem. We'll see later in our Masechet that if it's an area that is not enclosed is the way we'll speak about it from Shohan Aruch. In other words, it just the water draws out. There's a rabbinic violation, a rabbinic restriction that you might build a raft in terms of uh, going into this. So therefore an ocean, for example, ocean, yeah. is where you draw the line. But a swimming pool that's not heated for Svaradim, who never had this sort of restriction, and it's explicitly stated in many of our sources that in Jerusalem some 200, 300 years ago, they were going into cold bath, bathing areas on Shabbat, uh, yes, it would extend yeah, to that situation. But it's on the colder side. I will have to deal with that. Uh, but, and I sent some recordings. You could deal with it. You could listen to it over there. It's not allowed for a different reason. Not because you squeeze a towel. Correct, correct, correct. And that reason is in the Gemara. That we'll see later in our Masechet. All right, what about on Chabeav on Kippur? Chabeav Shohanaruch in Orachayim Siman Taf Kof Nun Dalit writes, Tevila Shal Mitzvah Bizmana. Muteret. So he starts off and you think we know where we're going. It's going to permit even on Chabav. However, aval bizman hazeh, but today, en tevila bizmanah. Hilkach lo titbol bo vechen nahagu. He says, however, today, he's basing himself on ri, on our tosafot. Today, where we have that extra count of seven days, it's no longer tevila bizmanah, and therefore, women should not, on the night of Chabav, go to the mikveh. But it's a gemara, but it's explicit. 
But our reality is different, argued Tosafot, and in turn, Shohan Aruch, as well in Siman Tafresh Yod Gimal, in the Halachot of Yom Kippur, he writes, Bizman Hazeh, Asur li'isha litbol b'yom ha-kippurim, afilu higia azeman tevilatah bo bayom, for the same reason, same rationale, since we no longer have tevila bizmana in its strictest and clearest sense, since we have the shiva'anikim, which a woman will count afterwards, biblically speaking, her tevila bizmana is already avera, it's already past, a woman, and that applies both to Ashkenazim, whom we found in Tosafot, as well as Faradim, as we're finding in Shohan Aruch, should not and may not go to the mikveh on Chabe'av or Kippur. They wait until that night and they go the night afterwards. Again, to summarize then, the Maskana Varsugah Shabbat and Yom Tov permitted. Uh, Ashkenazi women might have it a little bit more complicated with regards to if it's the night that they should be going or otherwise. Yom Kippur and Shabbat, although our Gemara was clear, we have this logic of Ho'il, we transfer over Heter from Shabbat to Yom Tov, Tosafot had this Hidush, this restriction, it's only when you have Tevilah Bizmana, which we don't have any longer, Shohan Aruch in turn is Posek Lahalachat Shabbat and Kippur, may not, should not, and cannot go to the Mikveh. Okay, moving ahead in our Gemara, now the Gemara brings us to the end of, or closer to the end of our Mishnah. If you recall, the end of our Mishnah had the following words, V'shavin shemashikin the Mishnah said that what you're allowed to do is if the water that you want to drink, that you want to use, is impure, it became impure, but you want to make it pure, and it's Yom Tov. Well, Bet Shammai said you can't do any Tevilat Kelim on Yom Tov. Bet Hillel agreed you can't do any Tevilat Kelim. They only had a debate about when it comes to a human being. They agreed as well even Beit Shammai, Shemashikin et ha-mayim which means to say, if you recall, I have a utensil which is what we call not mekabel tumah, it's made out of stone, made out of a rock, and as a result, it's not susceptible to halachic impurity. And therefore, I have water in it which is impure, but the utensil is not impure, there's no such thing, it doesn't receive that impurity. It's a super strong utensil because it's made out of stone. That's the halakha. But I'd like the water as a result, or, or I'd like the water to become tahor. So I can lower the utensil into the mikveh, and by so doing, I have the water touch the water of the mikveh, and it kisses, so to speak, mashikin, and purifies it. However, the Mishnah told us, aval lo matbilin. The Mishnah said, but you're not allowed to be tovel. What is that referring to? We already talked about Tevila. The Gemara helps us with what those words mean. Says the Gemara, Mai matbilin. What are those next words in the Mishnah? Again, the Mishnah said you could be mashik, you could kiss the water of one to the water of the mikveh, provided that the utensils made out of even something that's not susceptible to Tumah. But you're not allowed to dip. I'm not going to be dipping my uh, even, my stone, my rock utensil. There's no reason to be dipping it. What do those words mean? Uh, says, uh, says Rabbi Shemuel, says Shemuel, the explanation over here is as follows. Think about the identical case. I have impure water inside of a utensil, but this time the utensil is not made out of rock, out of stone. It's rather made out of something like wood, call it uh, uh, something else. It's something that is susceptible to Tumah. We'll call it a kli'et. And as a result, the statement in our Mishnah is, I can't take that utensil and lower it into the mikveh. Why can't I lower Well, all I want to do is to purify the water, but by so doing, I'm purifying the utensil as well. That poses a problem. So quite clear. What's that? Yeah, so what's the 
that even though it appears as if you're doing a derech hashaka for the water, you're at the same time purifying, not purifying, you're yeah, purifying the utensil, it poses a problem. That's the statement. My, again, quote in... It was mentioned earlier, but we saw this in the Mishnah. We explained in the Mishnah. We're just articulating in the Gemara in order to lead in here. So as the Gemara, my quote, avalo matbilin, unquote, question mark, amar shemuel en matbilin atakeli al gav memav, al gav literally means on the back of, but because of its water, you can't use the utensil, letaharo biyom tov. Says the Gemara, all right, I got the halakha, but here's the problem. Nothing to do... Um, sure. By, by means of dipping the cup, as I obviously going to be purifying the cup, that's not good. That's why. Ultimately speaking, it's not okay. I mean, the ma'asek is saying. Like, what's that? I still don't understand the people he loses here. But I'm trying to try to catch the water of the Mishnah. In the next lines, he wants to know why the Mishnah needed to mention these words to me at all. I have listened pesik reshe delani halef anything, by the way, but I not, not so simple. I would think and fill it up. Says Jesse, of course, uh, but but you're purifying by so doing. I mean, the answer has to be something along the following lines: the tevilat keli is only asumed rabbanan. My purpose is for the water. Ultimately speaking, if it's an Isur de Rabbanan, my purpose is for the water, maybe I should be able to fake, be sly, do ha'arama. That's what the Mishnah tells us he can't do. Says the Gemara, mane matnitin. Man means who? Mane means who is? Matnitin, our Mishnah. Who's the author of our Mishnah? It gets a little bit, not in the first few lines, but in the answer, it gets a little bit complicated. Just have to stick with me. Um, but first and foremost, says the Gemara, Lor bi velor banan. Our Mishnah could not, and we can't understand how it accords with either of the two opinions that we'll see now recorded in a Beraita. So a Beraita, of course, from the same time period as a Mishnah. If the Mishnah just makes a statement and a Beraita brings a dispute about similar or identical issues, we want to square the two. We want to look at the Beraita and say, I have a dispute over here. Which one does my Mishnah accord with? What's it following? Says the Gemara, but the problem is, I'm going to have two opinions mentioned in the Beraita, contemporary documents, you know, from the same time period, and neither one of them will square with our Mishnah. Who are those two opinions? Rabbi and Rabbanan. Well, first let's see their opinions and then see how we can deal with this. Detanya, the Beraita has the following statement. En matbilin etakeli al gabe memav letaharo. The first statement here in the Beraita is, you're not allowed to, this is what we add as the second statement in our Mishnah, you can't take, remember, the utensil's made out of wood, you can't take the utensil and say, well, the water I want to become pure, I'm allowed to do that as long as I do hashaka. you can't lower that into the mikveh, and by so doing, purify the utensil as well. That... So far, so good. That would fit with our Mishnah. However, you want to know what else is prohibited? What our Mishnah explicitly said is permitted. If the utensil is made out of rock, out of stone, I'm not purifying that. According to the B, I'm not allowed to even lower that into the mikveh in order to purify, in order to bring about tahara to the water. That's the problem. Rabbi doesn't accord with our Mishnah. Our Mishnah told us the hashaka, the kissing of the waters, when the utensil is not mekabel tumah, is permitted. This Beraita is telling me otherwise. Hachamim omrim, or maybe we have our salvation here in Hachamim. Matbilin keli al gabe memav taharo. That doesn't fit with our Mishnah. The first statement of, of Hachamim is uh, contrary to Jesse's simplicity. Hachamim say it's permitted. 
seemingly, that hachamim say that what you're allowed to do is even a utensil made out of wood, uh, something that is mikabil tumah, provided that I have water in it, I'm not just dipping the utensil, I have water in it, I say, oh, I'm trying to purify my water, I'll lower that into the mikveh. By purifying my water, I purify the keli uh, as well, fully permitted. And of course, you're allowed to... And, but what we have in our other situations, just do hashaka, just bring forth the purity to the water. Says the Gemara Maneh. We then are posed with the problem, the question, Maneh, who's the author of our Mishnah? If our Mishnah were to follow Rabbi Kashya Hashaka, I don't understand. Our Mishnah said the kissing of the waters when the utensils made out of Adar Shainomika Beltumah is mutar. Rabbi said it's Asur. Irabanan, you have the opposite problem with regards to the Hachamin. Who were so lenient, kashya hatbala, according to the hachamim, the hatbala, even when I used a utensil made out of wood, it was permitted. As a result, says the Gemara, I'm somewhat stuck. I understand the Beraita might have different opinions than the Mishnah, but I'd always like for them to have some sort of commonality. I can't find an opinion over here that accords with our Mishnah. See, here's where it gets a little bit complicated. You'll just have to uh, uh, visualize if I had a blackboard or a whiteboard, this would realize. I even drew it out for myself over here. Says the Gemara, I have one of two options over here. I could make the claim and the argument that our Mishnah accords either with Rabbi or Hachamim. I'm going to have to do a little bit of fancy twisting over here, but I could pull this off if you twist it pro- appropriately either way. How so? So the Gemara will now break down the following. It says the Beraita, much like the Mishnah, had two statements, two separate laws. The first law we call the Resha, the second one we call the Sefa. Resha milashon rosh, it's the head. Sefa milashon sof, it's the second one, it's the end of it. What were the two statements? Statement number one was the utensils made out of wood. We'll call that wood. Uh, statement number two was the water. You're only dealing with the water because the utensils made out of rock, stone. Those were our two clauses, our two situations in the Mishnah, much as in the Biraita. We are going to suggest now in the Gemara that those two be broken up not only in terms of material, but in terms of time. What do you mean in terms of time? Well, it's all on Shabbat and Yom. No, 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 no. We're going to suggest now that this Beraita is split and it's talking about two separate time periods. Clause one, statement one, when we were talking about wood utensils, talking about on Yom Tob. And statement two, when we're dealing with a rock utensil and just fixing the water was talking about Shabbat. How does that change anything? So what right does it have to do? <laughs> the same Beraita, which has two separate statements in both Rabbi and Hachamim, when they spoke, hard for us to see it, we're twisting a little bit over here, their first statement was Yom Tob oriented, their second statement was Shabbat oriented. Uh, that's the suggestion. We'll have to figure out why that makes a difference for us, but that's what the Gemara now is going to do. Now says the Gemara, two lines from the body. If you want to make the claim that our Mishnah is Rabbi, Resha de Braita, I would tell you the first part of the Beraita, when we're dealing with the wood utensil, the Yom Tob. Okay, one more time. Rabbi told us, that the hatbalat keli al gabe memav, that immersing the uh, wooden item um, with the water inside of it is not permitted. That's talking about Yom Tob. Visefa, but the second part of the Beraita, where we were talking about hashakata where it was made out of stone, out of rock, the Shabbat. 
Well, let's pause for a second. Which one, which one do you think is more severe than the other? Shabbat, Shabbat is certainly more severe. If the second part, which is the more lenient situation, remember the second part is where I'm just purifying the water, I'm not purifying the utensil, is only talking about when Rabbi said it's prohibited. Shabbat, it means if he had to talk about it in Shabbat context, on Yom Tov, it would be permitted. Oh, if that's the case, then we can make the claim that our Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov. Again, the Beraita, which said Hashakat HaMayim, when you're dealing with stone, rock utensil, and the, it was prohibited. It's Asur, according to Rabbi. That's talking specifically on Shabbat. It means that we can extrapolate it. According to Rabbi, on Yom Tov, that would be permitted. I turn back to our Mishnah. I say, our Mishnah. Mishnah is in Masechet Beza. Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov. What did the Mishnah tell us? The Mishnah told us Hashaka when it's a stone utensil, permitted. That's Rabbi as well. Rabbi only said it's Asur on Shabbat. And our Mishnah told us as well, uh, something that we know, if it's a wooden utensil, it's Asur even on Yom Tov. That would then accord perfectly according to Rabbi. And it's not okay. Once it purifies the water, that's the top, In the Hashaka case? Yes. yes. Two things. Firstly, you want to drink from that water in the mikveh? You're saying we're kissing it anyway. We're kissing it first. The water that I have, which is clean, I would like to purify because I can't drink it and stay tahor. So what I'll do is I'll take it to a kosher mikveh. I can't just grab some water from the mikveh and mix it in. That won't work. No, it needs to be kissing a kosher mikveh. You know, imagine it like... uh, I don't know, you know, a sci-fi movie. You come in contact with something else and it changes your quality. It's a, so by touching a mikveh water base, that will change it. If it's not touching a mikveh water base, it's not that you take the, they take the item out and the, 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 the power is, so to speak, evaporated. So that's, that's why you're doing this. Um, it happens to be as well as Alan said, even if that would work, the person wouldn't want to do that. Our assumption is that the water in the mikveh is not the greatest. So you're touching it for a split second, not really changing the status of your water, and then you continue with that water. So the, but by so doing, says the Gemara, if we split the Beraita, Resha, first part talking about Yom Tov, second part Sefa talking about Shabbat, I then have established that according to Rabbi, Hatbalat Keli Al Gabemav, if I'm dealing with the wood utensil, that's of Asur, both on Yom Tov and on Shabbat. That's okay, I Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov. The second part, though, and here's the critical part where we had a problem, according to Rabbi, he says you're not allowed to do the kissing, you're not allowed to fix the water specifically and only on Shabbat. But on Yom Tov, it would be permitted. Then our Mishnah, V'kulam atnitin b'yom tov. V'iba'itema, the top of Dafyotet Amud Aleph, the Gemara says, I'll take a picture of my chart afterwards, maybe it'll help. V'iba'itema Rabbanan, V'kulam atnitin Shabbat. I can keep the Beraita as split, again, First part of the Beraita, Yom Tov. Second part of the Mishnah, Shabbat. But I'll argue that our Mishnah, even though it's in Masechet Besa, is really talking about Shabbat. How would that make sense? Well, we know the Hachamim in the Beraita permitted everything. When did they permit fixing the, uh, what's it called? When did they permit fixing the, uh, the wooden utensil? Specifically and only in the Resha, which we established is Yom Tov. It means according to the Hachamim, on Shabbat, if you have water in a wooden utensil and you want to put that into the, wa- into the water, that would be Asur, in which case we could argue that our Mishnah is talking about Shabbat 
And the reason that it's asur is because the hachamim only permitted on Yom Tov when I'm taking hatbalat keli al gabe memav. Why would you be more mahmir on Shabbat than on Yom Tov? Shabbat no, has... Uh, no, no, you can't carry it. But that's, that's the, that's the, Tosafot happens to have, I won't confuse us that much, Tosafot happens on Tafiot Chet Amud Bet, the Shavin, they have just a very basic question. They say, all right, I got everything. I, I took in the whole suga. I just have a basic question. It goes like this. I have, for argument's sake, I have a uh, wooden utensil. It's Yom Tov. Now remember, we specifically in our earlier sugya, we had two situations on dafyot heta mudalaf. I'm just going to make us recall this for a minute, where we said it's permitted to take the utensil and immerse it on Yom Tov. Do you remember those situations? Number one, if the item became tameh on Yom Tov, if it was before Yom Tov, that's what we said our Mishnah is talking about. If it's on Yom Tov, then you're allowed to. You couldn't have fixed it before Yom Tov. That was one. The other one was, what's the status of the tumah? Was it Vlad HaTuma or was it Av HaTuma which touched it? That's right. Over here, says Tosafot, imagine the situation as such. The water is wherever the water is. I have a wooden utensil. I'll scoop the water up into my wooden utensil. When did the wooden utensil become Tameh? Just now. It's Yom Tov. That's Nitma on Yom Tov. Secondly, water is not Av HaTuma. Water is going to leave me uh, secondary, a uh, third of, of level removed. As a result, I have a double positive, says Tosafot, with regards to the utensil. Why shouldn't I be able to take that utensil if I filled it with the Tameh water on Yom Tov and dip it in the mikveh? That's the question of Tosafot. Yeah, what's the uh, No, what, wood can't, stone can't, clear even can't. I thought the wood was never good. Wood in the sack could be good. Except if it got tamed on the holiday. Right. But over here, we're telling you that in terms of fixing the wooden utensil, you can't do so. You can't fix it. Or why can't you fix it? Why can't I? Why can't I let that happen? Why not? It's the same thing. It's for Shabbat, though. Because I can't do that. So Tosafot. So Tosafot. It's Yom Tov. It became time. Tosafot's answer, ultimately speaking, Jesse, is indeed like you. It says Tosafot, you're causing the Tumah. Maybe we draw the line over there. Okay, uh, be that as it may. Let's continue onward in the Gemara here on Dafyoteta Mud Aleph. Two lines from the top. Says the Gemara, Tanur Rabbanan, that's a Beraita. Keli Shenitma Me'erev Yom Tov, En Matbilin Otob, En Hashemashot. Okay, so we're now going to enter into a, a short sugya which deals with the issue with the time period known as Ben Hashem Ashot, literally between the suns. Uh, what does it mean between the suns? Well, it means between the uh, celestial bodies. Which celestial bodies do we pay attention to? The moon and the sun. It means that the time period in between what we call Shkiata Hama, the sun, which appears to us to go down, and the emergence of the moon in our eyes, that's the time period known as Ben Hashem Ashot, effectively in halachic terminology, between Shkiata Hama and Seta Kochavim. How long is that time period? If only we knew the answer, every synagogue would get along, every Jew would get along. We're far from such a reality. But that's the question. Watch Ki'ata Hama until Seta Kochavim Ben Hashem Ashot. There are certain times we know objectively of Ben Hashem Ashot. What's the status of that time period? Well, the sun went down, it must be nighttime. 
but the stars and the moon didn't come out, so it's not nighttime. What is it? Halachically speaking, Ben Hashem Ashot is Safek Yom, Safek Laila. It has a doubt, eternally. We treat it as a doubtful period. Uh, that brings certain leniencies and stringencies. It's not night, it's not day. For example, when it comes to Svirat HaOmer, what's the halacha? When can I start counting the Omer? It's Ben Hashem Ashot, the sun has gone down, but it's not yet Seta Kochavim. Let's, for argument's sake, say right now that Seta Kochavim is 20 minutes later. But I'm in between that time period. So let's say sunset was 8.08 yesterday. It's 8.08, it's 8.09. Can I count the Omer? It's not daytime any longer. But it's not night. What's the halakha? So the halakha, Shohan Aruch says, is that if you're besibur, if you're with a congregation, you can count the Omer even in Ben Hashem Ashot. If you're individual, if you're by yourself, you shouldn't be counting the Omer. Why so? Which one is it? Well, it's a doubt. Well, it's a doubt. So then what am I doing? Svirat Omer is a drabbanan, is a rabbinic in nature, and as a result, ideally, we still tell you, wait 20 minutes, wait until Tzedakochavim, but you're with a congregation, you gather together. Last night, this happened last night, last I was at a wedding, we finished, we prayed Mechal, we prayed Arbit. It was 8-12, the person turned to me and said, can we count Omer? Wasn't thinking about Sibu. When's the last time you've been with a congregation praying to at 8 12? I mean, we pray earlier usually. Anyway, so I said, No, we got to wait another 10 minutes. And then my father was right. So, what are you talking about? We're Bisibu. So, we counted Omer. You could count Omer in such a situation. Okay, but that's Ben Hashem Ashot. So, the issue over here for our purposes will be if you want to immerse your utensil and you want to do it during Ben Hashem Ashot. Interesting. It's not on Yom Tov, it's Erev Yom Tov. It became impure. En matbilin oto ben Hashem Ashot. Is ben Hashem Ashot holiday? Or is it weekday still? So the halacha is, we consider it lechumra like holiday. You're not allowed to dip it now. Why not? Safet, it might already be holiday. But it might not be. En. Interesting. Says Jesse, don't we usually go safek to Rabbanan Lekula? I just told you in Svirat HaOmer, we're going to be lenient. But we're going to let you do it. It's a mitzvah. So what seems to, and the poskim on this line in the Gemara debate that, we have a conversation to be, there's a conversation to be had over here. Generally speaking, we say Shevut, Adirabbanan, in Ben Hashem Ashot is permitted. Over here, it might be a dissenting opinion. That's an important point. The Gemara doesn't even address that over here. But it is, it is a very interesting thing that we're dealing with a rabbinic violation. If it's a biblical issue, I understand it's rabbinic. It's in Makom Safik, we're still being Mahmir. Continues the statement over here. Bishimon Shezuri Omer, Af Behol En Matbilinoto, Sharich Ha'arev Shemesh. So the statement here in the, Gema, in the, in the Beraita is that Rabbi Shimon Shizuri goes a step further. He says, not only on holiday, Ben Hashem Ashot, it's the day leading into the holiday, it's Ben Hashem oh, don't go dip that, you can't dip it. It's tonight, um, not tonight, last night. It's Thursday night, I want to go dip it in the mikveh, and it's Ben Hashem Ashot. It's 8.09, I turn to Eli, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dip my... So don't do that, why not? Says Rabbi Shimon Shizuri, don't do it on, on a weekday, why not? which means to say the following, that technically speaking, when we're in a time of actual purity, not in today where we dip the utensils when we buy it from a non-Jew, when we deal with actual purity issues, where kohanim need to use these utensils for tirumah, the halakha, we know this even from the first Mishnah in all of, in all of uh, Shas, and is there something called the ha'arev shemesh, you have to immerse yourself or the utensil, and then wait for sunset, and then the item is pure. 
pure. So Kohanim, if they want to eat teruma, they need to immerse themselves, wait for sunset, and then they're pure. That's what's called Ha'arev Shemesh, the sun goes down. As a result, the statement over here is it's Ben Hashem Ashot. The sun kind of went down. Well, not nightfall yet. You're going to go and you're going to dip it. Our fear is, says Rabbi Shimon Shizuri, you're going to pick it up after you took it out of the mikveh and say, hey, look, it's dark outside. Maybe I could start you. No, you need to wait until the next day and wait for an actual sunset. So the statement in turn of Rabbi Shimon Shizuri is, if you're Ben Hashem Ashot, after sunset, before nightfall, don't dip it. Why not? Because we have a specific fear that by dipping it, you now won't wait the requisite time. So we have a mahlokit then in the, in the Beraita between Hakamim and Bishimon Shizuri. In such a circumstance, what are you talking about? Okay, let's, let's address it. Next time, Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen, amen.